What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about the, te- what, what was what is the name of this stuff? Is it the tender deadline? Is that what it is? A whole lot of players had their contracts either re-upped or not in what is, the, I, get, I think it's called the tender deadline. I'll be honest with you here. And it's where be, getting this job, doing this podcast has honestly made me a smarter baseball mind because when I'm just doing stuff on Twitter, when I can just talk about this stuff with my buddies, uh, I can kind of pick and choose what I do and do not want to cover, what I do and do not want to pay attention to. In the past, I, I just I never really paid that much attention to what contracts got tendered, which contracts didn't, which ones got renewed. You know, I paid attention to free agency, obviously, but with this job, really, you can't take a whole lot of days off. You always kind of have to have your your ear to the ground, paying attention to a lot of this stuff. And there was a little bit of news. John Morosi reported that the Tigers will tender a contract to Matthew Boyd. No surprise. Um, I, I know there may be some people who kind of roll their eyes at it. You had to do it. And look, I don't think Matt Boyd's any good. Last year really soured me to him. He was so freaking terrible a season ago. I mean, even in the short sample size, he was one of those guys whose numbers were so startlingly startlingly bad that you couldn't help but kind of just scoff at how poor he, he was a season ago. But with that said, he's the, the oldest pitcher on the roster in terms of starting pitchers. He is a veteran. He does add something to a team, even a struggling baseball team, can occasionally give you innings. They had to do it. They weren't going to cut him because if you cut him, then you're forced to go out and sign a starting pitcher. And given the cheapness of the Avila Illich tenure so far, this is about par for the course. They'll hand him a deal and we'll go from there. There were several other players who either got contracts tendered or non-tendered and a couple guys that other teams are looking at. And I'm going to talk about those, and I think it should probably fill up the entire show today. I'm not completely sure, but I want to start off with a guy who is currently a free agent. I just want to discuss him for a second. Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber, who has essentially missed all of two straight seasons. I mean, pitched a little bit in 2019 and pitched like several innings in 2020 before being shut down with injuries. He's had some bad breaks, and I mean that both literally and figuratively. I I think he broke his arm on a line drive in 2019 that hit him, and he never really recovered from it. I have a soft spot for Corey Kluber, and I know that's kind of weird to have a soft spot for a guy who pitched on a rival team and dominated my team for so long, but, you know, if you've been paying attention to the videos I make, the post-game videos that I make on Twitter, you'll know that I had a lot of fun with Corey Kluber. Uh, I said a lot of stuff in jest that uh, I could not say on here. It was probably not safe for work stuff about how good he was and his anatomy. I'm not going to go into all of that, but the guy was a stone-cold cold killer. Loved watching a pitch when he was dominating. I mean, he was he really, it was kind of similar to watching Verlander when he was really rolling, like 2011, 2012, where you just watched him and you're like, this is a guy who has mastered the art of pitching, and he's had some really bad luck. It's been revealed that the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Mets are looking to potentially add him to their roster for pitching depth. This won't happen with the Tigers, and I get it, and I'm sure Kluber at, you know, in his mid-30s, who's come so close to winning a World Series in the past with the Indians, is probably more inclined to go to a team that might be a contender, though the Red Sox were pretty awful a season ago. Maybe it's the Tiger fan in me who saw this dude shut my team down on so many occasions, but I still think Corey Kluber has some good baseball left in him. The fact is, a lot of his injuries have been kind of strange, kind of fluky. 
like getting hit in the arm by a line drive. That's not Tommy John. That's not really a shoulder injury. I can't remember what his other injury was, but and he, even before the big injury, even before the arm break, velocity was down. I, I'm not saying that he still has the capability of pitching like he did in 2017 when he was not just the best pitcher in the American League, but probably the best pitcher in baseball that season. But I don't know. Everything he throws moves, and when you have a guy who has such good movement on his pitches and has the kind of off-speed stuff that he has, I always believe that there's a little bit left in the tank. And while it won't happen, if I'm the Tigers, I'd consider taking a flyer out on him. You know, if he pitches really well on a one-year deal, maybe you could dish him for some prospects. I think the guy still has a little bit left in the tank. I'd, I'd make a move to see if you can get him for a one-year deal. But with that said, I'm all for the Tigers picking up like every free agent. So what the hell do I know? It looks like the Cubs are going to hand out a deal to Chris Bryant. That's no surprise. I'll talk about his teammate, Kyle Schwarber, here in a second. But one of the more surprising moves was that Eddie Rosario, left field for the Minnesota Twins was placed on waivers and Bob Nightingale reported that the Twins will not be handing him a contract this year. It looked like his arbitration money was probably going to be around $9.5 million. There seems to be a lot of people who are defending this. Uh, Apparently, Rosario's replacement, I know he's a prospect, Alex Kirk. Kirikoloff or some I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, I should know that, but I don't, is going to be up and coming through the farm system and will be at the major leagues here pretty soon and will probably replace Eddie Rosario in left field. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of that, though. I'm not a huge fan of that. And look, I, I kind of root for the Twins. I root more so for the Twins now than I ever did in the past because Nash Walker, who does Locked on Twins, is a friend of mine. I think he does a wonderful job, and I, I want to see that organization do well. But with that said... even for a small market team is not a lot of money. I think they're making a mistake not giving them a one-year deal, to be honest with you. Not handing out that $9.5 million or whatever it may cost to bring him back for one more year. Eddie Rosario has been a key piece of that lineup for a long time. And look, there are issues with his game. Doesn't grade out to be a great defender. Has a tremendous arm, but his defensive war career-wise is negative 1.5. Was slightly improved last season in 57 games that he played. Doesn't walk much at at all. I get it. There are negatives to his game, but this is one of those instances in which you look at a guy, and I've seen this guy play many times against my Tigers. I know this guy's a good ball player. 788 career OPS. Guy had 109 RBIs and 32 home runs in 2019. Kid can ball, and he's still young. He's going to be 29 next season, and the Twins are going to paint this as, a, oh, well, we believe that his replacement is ready. No, I don't believe that, though. I really, I don't believe that. I think it's just cheapness. I think they splurged in the offseason season last year, and they don't really have any intention of splurging again, of paying for a Donaldson or paying for a Rich Hill, even though he didn't cost that much money. But with that said, it's only $9.5 million. It's like, you look at this, and I, I get it. The Twins are a small market team, one of those teams that's always limited by their budget. But I look at that, and I'm like, you know what? That's why you haven't won a playoff game in 18 years. Because even if you believe that this replacement for Rosario, this prospect is going to be as good, if not better. He's not going to reach his full potential for another, at at the earliest, another two or three years. You're in win-now mode. And as we've talked about, I talked about it with the Royals when they were going through their runs in 2014 and 2015. Small market teams have very short small championship windows. You got to take advantage of it when you can. And if you're relying on a prospect to take over for a guy who's been pretty consistent, hasn't been an all-star for you, but has been all-star caliber for you over the last several seasons, I I think that's a big risk. 
And for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 18 years and has kind of been laughed out of the building every time someone brings them up as a potential contender in the American League, I would have dished out the money for him. I like Eddie Rosario. Flaws and all. I know the guy can hit. And before anybody asks, yes, if I'm the Tigers, I consider handing him out a deal. I think the guy's a good ball player. I wouldn't sign him for more than three seasons. Typically, guys who don't walk a lot don't have a very long shelf life necessarily, and I don't think he'll do gangbusters in free agency, but I do know the guy is a good player, and I know he's going to add a lot to a team if and when he does get signed by another ball club. I think this was kind of a mistake by the Minnesota Twins, to be honest with you. All right, so that will do it for segment one. When I come back, I'm going to talk about a key piece of the Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series run, who is now a free agent. Should the Tigers pick him up? I'll let you know when we return. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, and trust me, over the last several years as a Tigers fan, I fall into that camp, we have the podcast for you. Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, everybody. So as I teased in segment number one, Kyle Schwarber, uh, a left fielder for the Chicago Cubs, key piece of their World Series championship run, solely the World Series. I mean, he he played, what, eight games that year and then came back for the World Series after tearing his ACL early in that season. Power hitter, the Chicago Cubs' all-time leader in postseason home runs, was not handed a contract by the Cubs for one more year. He will be a free agent, I believe, by the time you're listening to this podcast. I believe the deadline was 7 p.m. last night. And, of course, with Tigers fans, much like me, who are so eager to see this team sign some good ball players, the question was, should the Tigers make this move? Is this a potential fit for the boys in the old English D. Look, I mean, I'm going to say this about pretty much every player who comes up in free agency. The answer is yes. The The question is right now for this team, for this organization, with every free agent that crosses my path, it's a basic question. Is this guy a good player? Because guess what? This organization, this roster right now at the major league level, there's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of unproven talent. But right now, there's not a whole lot of guys that you can look at and definitively say are good ball players. Kyle Schwarber mashes. Last year, yeah, okay, 59 games, 701 OPS, 188 average, I, I, 11 home runs. I'm ignoring a lot of that stuff. That's that's a 59-game small sample size. He's got a career 816 OPS in his last full season, which was 2019. He had career best numbers in 155 games, 38 home runs, 92 RBIs, and 871 OPS. Everyone always criticizes him for his defense, and while he is not a plus defender, I will acknowledge that, he's not as bad as people make him out to be. Like, he's not, and I, I hate to throw this guy under the bus, He's not Nick Castellanos. He's not good, but and his his blooper reel is pretty darn bad. A lot of his errors are pretty egregious. But overall, as a defender, he he makes up for it with his home run hitting capabilities and his power and the fact that he gets on base a whole lot. He's now a free agent. It'll be interesting to see what teams are willing to dish out for him. As much as I just kind of defended 
his defense. He's still not a great defender. I don't see him getting more than like a three, four-year deal. And if that is the case, if I'm Alavila and Chris Illich, yeah, I'm going for Kyle Schwarber. The one thing, now last year this team was better, in fairness. Last year they were better with Scope, who was a home run hitter. Crone, even though he got injured, hit some home runs. Miggy, while the average was down and the OPS was down, still capable of mashing every so often. But the one thing over the last several years that this organization has lacked more than anything outside of just overall talent has been the ability to hit a home run. I mean, how many times have I brought it up? You know, in 2019, in a year where the Twins had eight guys who hit 20 or more, Brandon Dixon led the Tigers with 15. This is a team that needs power hitters. They need guys who can get on base. Schwarber, his defense is flawed. I understand it. But Schwarber was a catcher coming up through the system. If need be, you can move him to first base and it'll be fine. And that may even be all right because you have Jamer at first right now. Eventually, Torkelson will probably be at third base and take that spot by then. Jamer will be probably coming up on a free agency season. So you could officially move Schwarber back to first and then eventually Miggy will retire and you could put Schwarber in DH. I mean, there's unlimited options with a guy like this. You know, I will say, this about Alavila, and I look, I don't know if Schwarber's going to come here. I don't know if he wants to come here. Even if he is handed out a pretty good deal, he may be more inclined to play for a contender. This is a guy who's been on playoff caliber teams his entire career. I don't know if he would want to go backwards and play in the doldrums in Detroit for a team that is still kind of fighting to stay out of last place. But I will say this, last year, Avila and Illich, in fairness to them, addressed some of the issues that the 2019 team had. It wasn't enough to field a good baseball team by any means, but what were the issues? They didn't hit home runs. They didn't have really any consistent hitters whatsoever. They were pretty deficient defensively, especially on the infield. So you know what they did? They got C.J. Crone. They got Jonathan Scope. Those were two guys who were who are professional hitters. As I said from the beginning, they weren't world beaters. They aren't all-star caliber players, but they're guys who in a 162-game season can go for 20, 25-plus home runs in a year. That's acceptable. Jonathan Scope, also a very good defender, filled the void at second base for the Tigers a year ago. So right now, you still need more power. You still need guys who can get on base. This is not a team that drew a lot of walks in 2020, and in this day and age of baseball, walks on base percentage OPS are a lot more important than batting average. That's just the truth. And I know there's going to be a lot of boomers who are going to try to dispute that. But I mean, pay attention to any sort of scouting report. Guys that get on base earn big contracts. That's just the truth. So I guess this is one big roundabout way of saying, yeah, make a move for Kyle Schwarber. The Cubs are not just shedding salary, but they're kind of on the verge of blowing this whole thing up. My guess is the only reason they decided to give Chris Bryant a contract at all is just so they can trade him in the middle of next season when they probably won't be contending and they can get some prospects for him. This is a guy who could potentially fall into your lap. You got the money, dish it out. He would immediately, immediately be this team's most dangerous hitter. Absolutely. I know you could say, well, what about Jamer? Jamer and and all those guys, Willie Castro, even Scope, who had great years last year or solid seasons last year, we haven't really seen them prove it over 162 games. Schwarber has proved it over 162 before. Guy's a good player. I'd like to see him in Detroit. So that will do it. For today's show, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive written five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Tomorrow's show 
is a mailbag show. So whatever questions you have, whatever things you want to hear me talk about or discuss, I'd be happy to answer them. Submit those questions to this show's Twitter account, at Tigers. I'd appreciate it, and I will answer them tomorrow on the Friday Mailbag Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.